Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello. My name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. Over the past few months, I've had the pleasure of speaking to a really great variety of guests about the letters they would send to the people who've had the most significant impact on their lives. I've spoken to athletes, journalists, authors, and comedians, and they've shared the letters they would send to someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise the impact they have had on their lives. Here are some of the highlights of the podcast so far. Throughout the series, we've heard guests talk about the people they love, the friends, family and partners who have celebrated their victories and held their hands through their most difficult times. Here's writer Kayleigh Llewellyn on the gratitude she felt for her grandmother. My nana, Marjorie Mogford. So she was proper working class Welsh woman with a, a massive brood of kids and an even bigger brood of grandkids, great-grandkids and some great-great-grandkids. She just made me feel safe. Coming from the family that I was from, of which I, I adored my mum, but you know what my BBC series is about is my upbringing. It's a mum with you know quite severe bipolar disorder who was very mentally ill and a dad who was a drug addict and a domestically violent. Both my older brothers, addicts as well. Uh, and one of them violent too. And just being in this house that sort of never, ever felt safe. And then the moment we get to my nan's, you know, I can, I can still smell it, I can still picture it. Her front door would always be open. So I'd run up, I'd open the front door, and the moment, because she'd have seen me coming down the driveway, she'd always shout out, where's my girl? And then I'd run into the lounge, and always she'd be in her armchair, which we call her throne. And I'd run through the door and her face would just light up at the sight of me. And I heard recently this Toni Morrison quote, when a child walks in the room, does your face light up? And that's what she did for me. And she made me feel so adored and so special. And as I said to you today, I reread all all the letters she sent me. And suddenly I understood where my delusions of grandeur came from. And it was from her because her letters are just like... I love you so much, you're so precious, you're so special, and you're so gorgeous. And and thinking about this, there was one particular memory that came to mind when I was like, when is the time that she made me feel most safe? And I was um, 16, I think, and my school had organised that people on doing history GCSE could go on a trip to Washington and New York. And for some reason, probably because she might have been a bit manic... My mum said I could go. But there was no way we could afford this trip. 
But she said I could go. And in that kind of teenage way, I just thought, well, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Just sign up. Just say, yeah. That Christmas, my mum had a breakdown and got sectioned on Christmas Day. January was fast approaching and we hadn't paid for the trip. And we were going to go on like January 8th or something. And the school kept messaging wanting money. And then also I realised my passport had expired. And I was just burying my head further and further in the sand. Because, I, did, I, you know, I was n- not telling anyone at school. I was hiding very deeply the fact that my mum was ill. Didn't want anyone to know that she was mentally ill. Or that we were poor. But we didn't have money and I didn't have a passport. And the teachers were on at me. And I was just like, I do not know what to do. I don't know how to get myself out of this situation. And in the way kids do, I was just burying my head in the sand. And then eventually I turned to my nan and there was like six days to go and said, this is what's gone on. And she came to pick me up with my gramp and she said, right, get in the car. I'm going to drive to Newport. I I didn't think this was fixable, but she was like, it is fixable. We're going to Newport. They can do you a passport in 48 hours. Me and grandpa are going to pay for the trip. They didn't have any money, but she was like, we're going to pay and we'll sort it out later. It's all going to be fine. We're coming to get you. And their car pulled up and I got into the back of the car. You know, it was like freezing outside. Got into the back of the car. My house didn't have any gas, didn't have any electricity, didn't have any heating. So it was freezing in the house. We also infested with fleas at the time. So I walk out of this sort of hellhole, see their car, see their faces smiling at me, get in the back. The heater's on, the radio's playing. My grandpa offers me a mint and we pull off to Newport. And my nan just puts her hand back between the seats and, and keeps it on my knee the whole way there. And I just took this breath and was like, oh, there's grown-ups here. Oh, it's going to be okay. They're going to sort it for me. They did. They sorted the passport. They took me to a greasy spoon. They brought me home and I went to bloody New York and I went to Washington. You know, and, and that thought, when I, when I was thinking about her today, I thought of that and I was like, God, never in my life has someone just swooped in and saved me in such a way. She sounds amazing. And the picture that you painted of getting in the car and being given a mint... And that hand into the back of the car is, I think, you know, that moment where someone puts their hand, a grown-up, like you say, when you're a child, squeezes your knee in a sort of, like, it's okay, don't worry, like, whether it's just you're feeling sick in the car or something. But, like, that moment, there is something very evocative about the sort of the idea of your grandparents giving you a sweet in the car and, and putting their arm into the back to calm you. Also, the mint thing is just so bloody British, isn't it? At the end of each conversation, guests shared the words they would write to the people they love. Early on in the series, poet Charlie Cox talked to me about her grandfather and read the final poem she wished he could have heard. I thought the only fitting thing that I could really put at the end of this letter was... Oh, gosh, if we didn't think it was emotional, it's just about to get even bloody worse, isn't it? At his funeral, I read a poem that I would like to share with you, if you wouldn't mind. And yeah, it was my sign-off, I guess. That was my official sign-off, was this poem. And it was the first and the last one that he never got to hear, which, do you know what? Still sucks. It's shit. (laughs) But I think sharing it might also offer me a bit of closure, so it's... It's also a very selfish act. Thank you for humouring me on it. You're very welcome. And it goes a little something like this. Little boy, man, husband, 
father, grandfather, entrusted into every glimpse of life I have not yet lived. You take your positions as a privilege and with it you thanklessly give. There is not a dot in the universe we have not explored. Our parameters are marked up as scattered kisses on a map that shows off Kilburn High Road and I love you moors. When dark descends, which it always does, you are stood smiling at the back, waving an umbrella prepared for the floods of tears and grey's knees, the banshee wails of please, please, grandad, can we just go home? Take me back into your chest. Don't let me go until I've learned the rest in your manual of how to cope. So you tell me. Did you know, when a rainbow appears, it's a monkey's birthday? If you sleep with your socks on, you sleep with the devil. Little girls who plant trees go to heaven. Did you know, your eye is the size of your thumb and your lips are as great as ships if you smile even if you haven't won? Did you know, everything can be made useful. A whistle gets you through. There's no greater sound than hearing, I love you. There's nothing jelly and ice cream cannot fix. If you're far, you can always just blow a kiss. When you scream, make sure it clears your lungs. When you write your to-dos, don't forget to add, have fun. Always let the car indicating have right of way. Greet every stranger with good morning, sweetie, have a lovely day. Don't hit the goat with a hat on with a stick. You'll be amazed with what you can clean with white spirit. You'll always be beautiful, even in a bin bag. When you need someone to rely on, ask your granddad. When you want to leave a party, just go. Sometimes the best conversations are with yourself doing the washing up at home. Gun Wharf has a key, not quay, and if you only pay for one plate, they won't notice if you have seconds at the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. Don't dwell tent poles like battens unless you want a bruised head. Before you finish the crusts on your toast, make sure the blackbirds have been fed. There is nothing shameful about not knowing. All you have to do is ask the question. But now you leave me with your greatest lesson. To stand on my own without your hand to hold. But I know how to blow kisses. I know how to clear my lungs. I also know how to shoot pigeons with an air gun. I know that love sings sweetest when it's silent. And you win prizes just for trying. I know everything you taught me was to soothe me as I was crying. All the questions I will one day have that you can't answer anymore matter little because you gave me truth. Because they can always be answered with when I asked you, how will I find the love of my life, Grandad? What's a girl got to do to show a man she's worthy? You sighed. Darling, you found him early. Stop searching. You wink and I know it will always be you. I will always know, wherever you go, you've given me everything I need by stitching all your goodness onto me. The luckiest girl in the world, with you always by my side or in the sky. The luckiest girl in the world, for I never really have to say goodbye. A theme we kept coming back to on the podcast was the impact that mentors and unexpected friends can have on us how a few simple moments of kindness can change the trajectory of our lives. Here's Benjamin Zephaniah on one of the mentors who changed his life. There was this guy and he worked for Rolls-Royce and he would give a day or two every week to go and work with underprivileged kids, which was us. 
And one day he got me and um, his name was Mr. Carr, believe it or not. And he worked on cars. Mr. Carr. Mr. Carr. And he worked with Rolls Royce, <laughs> on Rolls Royce cars. And he taught us mechanics. And um, I got put in this mechanic class because I liked cars. And um, he gave me an engine to rebuild. It was an engine from a Ford Corsair 2000E. He said, strip this engine and then rebuild it with new parts. And I said, you know, I don't know how to strip an engine. I can't do that. And he said, listen, just do it. And as you rebuild it, if you've got questions, just ask me the question and I'll help you. And that's exactly what I did. And it, it first of all, it taught me how an engine worked. I've never become a mechanic, but when people say the pistons are going or the big ends going or whatever, I know what they're talking about because I've actually had them in my hands and fixed them and, and replaced them or whatever. I think it's a good thing to understand how the combustion engine works. I mean, we soon, rightfully so, should see the back end of it, but um, it's interesting to see how it works. It's a very brummy thing to see how it works as <laughs> yes, well. To take, it a, take it apart and put it back. But the thing was, when I would call him because I had a problem with, I don't know, the piston ring or something, he would start talking to me about the piston ring. But then he would also say, you know, have you spoken to your mother recently? What's it like at home? You know, are you, keep, are you controlling that temper of yours? Um, have you started to think what you're going to do when you leave here? And it was after I left, I realised that he was using the building of the engine as a way of talking to me and getting me to think about life. I remember one day he said to me, um, I did something like I borrowed somebody's tools and then never gave them back to the person or something. And he said, you must, if you've taken his tools, give them back, you must consider the other person. And he said, today, the theme, I want you to remember this, these words, Benjamin, consideration for others. And everything I did that day was like, consideration for others, consider how the other person is feeling. And it's just one of those things that's drummed in my head now, consideration for others. <laughs> and it was little things like that he did for me that really changed me and makes me remember him really fondly. I've always wanted to meet him and thank him, you know. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I also spoke to Alistair Campbell about his experiences with mental health. He shared a story about the mentors who took a chance on him and then supported him during one of the most difficult periods of his life. My second big break from Richard was when I had my breakdown. And I'd left the mirror to go and work at Today under Eddie Shah. And Richard had said, you're not ready for this. I was, I was headhunted to go and be news editor at Today, right? I was 28, way too young. Uh, but I was flattered into it. More money, more blah, blah. Off I go. It was one of those decisions. The minute I went, I knew I'd made a mistake. Right, but I didn't say that to anybody. I went in, I tried to do it. I was drinking heavily, I was working around the clock. I'd forgotten this until Fiona wrote her chapter in my book about depression and my breakdown. I'd, I'd actually moved out into a hotel because I, Fiona and I weren't getting on. And anyway, I ended up having this massive psychotic breakdown up in Scotland, ended up in hospital. Well, I ended up getting arrested and they said I could leave the police cell as long as I agreed to go to hospital and they picked me up, off went to the hospital. And Richard, who had basically said, never darken my door, he was about three, four days in, he was one of the first people who phoned me. And I can remember it verbatim. He said, um, he said, I hear you're not well. I said, well, I'm in hospital and, you know, I'm probably going to be here for a bit. He said, well, I'm not going to say I told you so. And I said, well, you kind of just did. He said, yeah, well, listen, you didn't listen to me last time when I told you not to go to that stupid newspaper, but listen to me now. And when I say listen to me, I mean listen to me. He said, stay in that hospital until the doctor says you can leave. Go back home and stay at home and get on an even kill with Fiona and make sure you look after her. Go back to that stupid newspaper I told you never to go to and, you know, swing the lead for a bit and work out your time. And when you're 100% or near it, you come back here and you start your old job, but you start at the bottom again. And it was like... It, I, 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 it, telling you that now, even telling you that now, it's almost like, as I was telling you that story, I was feeling the burden that I was feeling at the time and it went. And that's exactly what I did. I went back to the mirror on night shifts again. And and Richard, and then before long, I was political editor. And then when I left, then what happened was Richard went off to be editor today, the new today, after the Shah. And then I went to join him. And then by the time Tony asked me to work for him, I was working for Richard again. And of course, this time he was, he was absolutely, totally supportive. You know, go and do it. And he was a great support to me through that time. And he ended up editing my diaries. And when he died, he, he had a really horrible cancer. Um, and he, I literally got the printed version of the diaries, 
the, the, the Blair years, which he edited, and he did a fantastic job on it, and he loved doing it. And I almost felt like it, because it, it was his last big thing that he did, really, and and so he, he'd been sent home to die. He was not going to... It was, it was kind of palliative. Um, and I took the book, and so I was kind of able to say to him, I did say to him, listen, I couldn't have done this without you, and I couldn't have had the career I had without you. Uh, but I don't think, this is the point Fiona made this morning, I don't think he ever fully knew just how pivotal he had been in me turning my life around. But that moment where he rang you in the hospital, that took the relief off you... Took the burden. Took the burden, yeah, sorry, took the burden off you. Do you think he knew that what he was saying would fundamentally allow your shoulders to drop down and for you to rest I don't think he will have uh, you know known at all how that made you feel like you know because how could anybody but I think that when he made that phone call he probably did it for himself as well a little bit like he, he wanted to help gratitude and generosity ran through the stories guests shared this year almost every person I talked to told me about a heartfelt gesture word of encouragement or an act of pure kindness that they had experienced. Here's comedian Sophie Hagen on the counsellor whose generosity saved her life. When I turned 16, I was very, very depressed, super depressed. And I very clearly needed therapy. Like my GP sent me to psychiatric ward and was like, like, you need help. So I had to get therapy. My mother is quite poor, so she couldn't afford it. So she was like, well, your dad has some money, so like we should invite him over and then ask him if he can help pay for the therapist. So he came over and his first reaction was just, oh, like, can't you just get yourself together? Just go to school. Like, what's the... So he was being very sort of, oh, you know, just stop complaining and all these things that I think many people who've been depressed have heard from other people saying... And I was quite, this is a bit dark, but I felt quite cool because he kept saying like, oh, you know, it's, it's too much money. It's too expensive for you to just sit and have a chat with someone. So I went into my room and I did some Googling and I came out and I said, I've done all the costs for um, a funeral. So you can choose between paying, you know, 50 pounds a week or this amount right now, which is dark. I will give you that. Like that's yeah. a lot, but also <laughs> it helped, it worked. So he then um, decided, like, said yes to helping me pay for the therapist. And she is the person I want to send the letter to. What was her name? Vanilla Gilsey. And she was just extraordinary. She had this practice in the basement of her home. And so I would go to, to her house and see her. And she was just this warm, wonderful woman, a bit sort of... Um, <laughs> bit quirky so she'd be incredible at you know therapy and then sometimes she'd say something like I'd say oh I've had an argument with my boy with my boyfriend and she'd say do you think that maybe like in a past life you like knew each other and I was like what <laughs> no <laughs> it's because of my dad she'd be like okay 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 and then we'd talk <laughs> about proper therapy but she was just incredible and I saw her for about six years and Towards one of the last sessions, I had just begun working for UNICEF. So I was really annoying and just like, why isn't everyone helping to save the world like like I am? I We didn't really have much more to talk about because I was fine. Like I was doing well. 
So I was instead trying to say like, oh, shouldn't you be supporting UNICEF? Like I can sign you up for a annual membership of UNICEF. <laughs> like really annoying. And then she said, um, oh, I, I mean, I do. She said, I do charity, but I do it in other ways. And she said, uh, I sometimes see clients for free. And I was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. I was like, because I know about that feeling. Like I know not being able to afford it and like. That is incredible. You're like saving people's lives by doing this. And she said, well, I, no big deal. Like, I like you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I'm very confused. And she said, well, your dad stopped paying after six months. And I had no idea. So my dad had stopped paying and she then seen me for free for five and a half years like she literally saved my life i don't think any human can really fully understand i don't think you, anyone can comprehend having saved someone's life like i think that's too big for a human to properly understand if she had yeah. said to me sorry like I, I can't and she would be fully within her right to say i'm not being paid for my job anymore so i can't help you like that would make complete sense but like, she just didn't and she never brought it up and I don't believe I was in a place mentally where I would have survived that. Sometimes the people who have had the biggest impact on our lives are people we haven't even met. They're role models, public figures or strangers. Presenter Stephanie Hurst told me about the actress who helped her feel seen for the first time. I dove off the sofa and I stuck tape number seven of our video library in the machine. The reason I know it was tape number seven because tape number seven was never seen again. It lived under my bed because I recorded an interview with Gloria Honeyfed with this lady called Caroline Cosse. And Caroline transitioned in the mid seventies. No one knew she had an incredibly successful career as a model. She was a Bond girl until she was outed by the news of the world in, I think, 1982 or something. James Bond Beauty is a Boy was the headline. So she was, so let me just get the story right. She was a Bond girl after she transitioned. Yes. And she's called Caroline Cosse. She was the first person I saw. She was the first person I identified with. She was the first person that made me feel less alone. And she was on television promoting her book, called My Story. And because, you know, I was from a council state, earned a little bit of money from putting records away for DJs and making tea. But I didn't have the twelve ninety nine or whatever it was from WH Smiths to go and buy the book. So I had to go to Barnsley Local Library and wait for this book to come in. So for weeks I went in, have you got Caroline Costi, My Story? And I could, I th you know, on the 20th time they saw me approaching, they knew, no, it's not in yet. So eventually it came in. And no one got to get the book out at all because I had it every time it said Hearst about 20 times. And eventually the librarian said to me, you're going to have to let this book back in because someone else might want to read it. I was like, all right, okay. So then eBay arrives 20 years later and I've got my own copy now, which proudly is on display in my book cabinet downstairs with all the rest of my books, including your book, which is there as well. It's, you know, they're all there. I can't tell you the joy that that thing is on display because it was hidden. I used to hide it under my bed. That book was my Google. 
that book showed me that I could do this and it inspired me and drove me and made me believe I could one day do this. Letters help us to put into words the gratitude that we often find difficult to express in person. It's been such a delight to hear the stories the guests on the podcast have shared so far. At the end of my conversation with Reverend Kate Botley, she told me about the impact writing letters for the podcast had on her. I thought they'd be really difficult to write, but actually once you get started on these kind of things, it's instinctive. And it just reminds me, again, that it's really important to say the things that I want to say to the people I want to say them to. Even if they're not here anymore, you know, that there's something really valuable in writing this stuff down. Because texts disappear, social media posts disappear, phone calls, you won't remember them. But those letters, they are treasure. It's like treasure. Mm, When you find them... It's like treasure. I found uh, a letter. My mum died 10 years ago. And about the third year after she died, I found... I mean, it wasn't a particularly loving letter. It was teaching me how to make a Christmas pudding. Um, (laughs) And the passwords for her Google account. I found a letter in a handbag and it was just like, oh, hi, Jep. Like, don't forget to buy this, this and this. And and it just was like finding treasure, finding my mum's handwriting and her bossing me around and being the person she had been to me was like finding treasure. It is like, it is our handwriting as well, isn't it? Because there's something about that that's like a fingerprint of our personality. When you get a handwritten letter, you know that someone's taken the time. When someone sends a handwritten letter, for me, it always reminds me of handwriting practice at school. You know the journey they've been on to get to that point to be able to hold that pen and write that letter. And the effort it takes to put a stamp on it and go to the post box. Letters are treasure. They can be such a small and easy to access thing. Never as expensive as a diamond, but very richly received. Letters are treasures. So this Christmas, why not write your own letters? To the people you love and the people who might not realise how significant an impact they've had on your life. Thank you so much for listening to Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. I'll be back with more conversations and letters in the new year. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure to follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.